Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Well, surprise. Hello and welcome history friends, Zach Twomley here, soon to be doctor, still somehow alive after a very intense period of time. We're not done yet, but we're nearly there, we're on the home stretch, and yeah, we can do this, it's gonna be fine. But I just wanted to release this episode to you guys. I recently had a chat with Ollie, a guy who you may remember from a guest appearance episode he did all the way back in March 2022. Ollie had this idea of a project called History Games. And if you can't remember what that was, don't worry, he'll explain it in this episode. But the long and short of it is, he's changed his whole approach. And now he's doing something called History Challenge, which is really exciting. Instead of entertaining people, he's going to try and educate and entertain people with history. And he's going to do this with interactive history games. So you still have the game element, but you also have lessons, learning outcomes, certification, all the buzzwords that educators such as myself are familiar with, and we'll be talking more about that in the episode too. It's really exciting. He's already got a lesson developed on the Battle of Britain, and I'm actually going to leave a link in the description of this episode for you guys to check that out so that you can see what this fuss is all about. It is really exciting and I love when educators or entrepreneurs or what have you try and find new ways to bring history to people, breaking down the barriers in the way, whether it's not having the books or thinking it's all just dusty people and dates, bringing it to life. And he helps bring it to life with something he calls historical reasoning. It's not something he invented, it's a real thing. You're putting yourself in the lives and minds of the people who acted in certain ways at a certain time. And it's something I've done before, really. Anytime I try and bring you into the minds of people from July 1914, or, say, the mind of Wallenstein, or... Whatever else, I like to try and bring you to the history, and that's what Ollie is going to do with History Challenge. Ollie also has other plans in the pipeline for making all of this stuff happen, including a podcast of his own, reaching out to historical institutions, and loads more. It was a real pleasure to have Ollie on. I will always talk to him because I think his eye for potential innovations in the history education sphere. Gee, that sounded like a word sandwich, didn't it? Well, anyway, I love what he's doing with history. 
so I thought it was only right to have him on here to explain what he's been up to in the year and a half since I last had him on. Thanks to Ollie as well, who's been very patient putting up with me in the last few months. We actually recorded this episode in about July or June, and it took a long time to be able to, you know, get down to business. You should know this episode coming out doesn't mean I'm back on top form. I set aside a small amount of time to set all this up, and now, once it's released, I'm back to the PhD thesis. But the good news is I'm now working on the introduction, so... It's on the way to being done. But yeah, I hope you guys are doing well and this episode helps tithe you over a bit. I still feel pretty terrible when I'm able to muster the mental energy to actually think about this podcast that I've put on the back burner. I still feel pretty terrible for letting it just go to the wayside. But if ever there was a time when that was necessary, I definitely feel like it's now when there's a month and a half left on the clock and you're pulling every lever and straining every nerve to try and get things done. Like I said, we will get it done. There'll be no last-minute extensions or any emergencies like that. But yeah, it's tough. You put your head down, you work as hard as you can. But occasionally, you get to take a little break and have a conversation with a really interesting guy who has an idea that I think will make a huge difference to how history is taught and understood. So... I'm excited to bring this episode to you, and I hope you'll welcome Ollie with all of the love and attention he deserves. Thanks again for joining me, history friend, and thanks again to Ollie as well. The next voices you hear will be mine and Ollie's. Hello, history friends. Thanks for joining me here for a very special interview episode. With me on the podcast today is Ollie, who you may remember from an interview we did back in March 2022. Back then, our discussion was on a project he was working on called History Games, but things have since changed a bit. And in my view, they've gotten even more interesting because now Ollie is working on something called history challenge and we're going to hear all about that as we talk about things today so thanks so much for joining me ali how are things i'm stoked to be back sack so thank you very much for inviting me yeah pleasure pleasure so as i said we last spoke in march of last year which feels like a lifetime ago but your goals your goals have changed quite a bit since then so Talk us through as briefly as you can how how these things changed over the last sixteen months or so, and what history challenge is all about. Yeah, since last time, uh, our main focus switched a bit from this adventure game that we talked about last time. It was basically thought-provoking, uh, hidden object, story-driven game, and then we instead started making a product called the History Challenge, which is basically gamified digital history lessons um, intended to teach specific learning outcomes. So it has interwoven assessments uh, and it's a story-driven product and then automated reporting as well, uh, which can then also be accessible through learning management systems, the, the bigger ones for, for teachers and students. And our reason for kind of switching our focus was not because we didn't see potential in the other product, we just see a much bigger potential in the history product, 
and we are also more excited about doing it. We feel like this is something we could be very qualified to do, not the least because two of our team members, they have worked on developing uh, math and physics simulations for another pretty big educational tech company. Uh, so they, they know a lot of the pitfalls and things that one needs to consider in order to make sure that you know things are done the best way possible. And I also have a quite extensive background in distributing um, educational game materials. Uh, and uh, as you know, <laughs> and the ones who listened to the episode from last year would know, I'm very also passionate about history. And I feel like if I'm, let's say, if my dream, uh, if I could choose my dream job, it would be to help making history fun, engaging and interesting and basically stimulate kids and adults to study more history and take responsibility for what they believe is true and uh, all that stuff. And that's what we want to do with this product. So, I mean, couldn't be more excited uh, about yeah what my job is at the moment. And another thing also is that the, the previous version of the game we made before, Story Games Immortalized, uh, is a game that's you know released through App and Play Store, which are the most crowded marketplaces in history. And so within the adventure game genre, the story-driven adventure game genre, I don't know how many games you have, but it's probably above 100,000. So that's a lot of other games uh, that to compete with, and some of them are really big with enormous marketing budgets and very, very high, highly paid teams, etc. So in order to stand out there, you have to be really, really good. Uh, and even if you have a super high-quality product, it may not be something that that hits like the sweet spot for for the yeah, the people you were hoping to reach, etc. While for uh, story-driven history lesson game, uh, it's it's not so many out there that are doing anything similar. And the ones who do, they don't do it in the in the way that they're uh, you know trying to make it suitable for specifically for history education. They're not designing it according to curriculum standards and uh, and that kind of stuff. It's uh, so in that sense we stand out. So our lessons they are not. It's not like super advanced uh, features or anything like that. It's 2D graphics at least for the time being. So, but this is like a comic style choose your own adventure type of game where you have interwoven assessments uh, with things like quiz features and riddles and. You have to yeah, remember dates and to unlock a code and things like that. Um, and then with automated reporting in the end so that the teacher and student like that can be used for grades as well. So that's what we have been doing. And one of the big benefits for me that I see when, when actually working on such a product is compared to, let's say, a story-driven adventure game, is that a story-driven adventure game, you have either you can self-publish it or you have to work with publishers of that kind of games. And uh, there's a very finite amount of potential partners that you can work with. And if none of them are either interested or are capable of really making the game successful, then you fail. And that is uh, it's a risky thing to do if you just make one game. Like typically a bigger company, they make a lot of different games and then most of them fail, but then they have some that are really successful. 
you know but that's that's often how that works <laughs> and we are too small company to be able to do that and in our case we're anyway more eager actually to make uh, history lessons and the thing is with history lessons so our market first of all we've been focusing with on quite a lot of research and interviews and surveys with history teachers uh, and also with students uh, so we know that there's a market potential market for this kind of product and it's a kind of a product where we could easily end up as a market leader because we're early on that market. Um, because what we're mostly competing with are things like books and online courses. And this is something that is likely to be more engaging than that for students. And in addition, it's automated reporting for teachers. So the teachers can really save time and they can rather just focus on teaching what they want to teach, let's say on the same, same subject, uh, but then they have this as an extra tool that yeah, can really save them time and, and make it more fun and interesting for students to learn history, which is one of the things that's, that uh, teachers are really struggling with. And also for students, of course, to not get good grades because they find it to be too boring and too uninteresting is also a problem. So that's something we think we're really addressing with this product. And since we could end up being someone who is kind of cutting edge on this market, and I expect that we will, then we are likely to find partners that are eager to work with us on this. So let's say a distributor that's already selling books and online courses, they can now offer this to their existing customer base. So we don't have to you know, try from the beginning to get into new markets. We can just find um, well-placed distributors that, oh, no, we want this, you know, not our competitors. And the same, let's say, potentially with educational tech publishers that already have markets, we could partner with them. And I think another uh, potential avenue, which we're definitely planning to uh, try focusing on, is things like history foundations. So this first lesson is basically the lead up to the Battle of Britain in World War II, which also then covers the early stages of Winston Churchill's uh, role as prime minister and his famous speeches, etc. So we're going to reach out now in the coming period to a bunch of foundations that are focused on Winston Churchill uh, and on Britain's role in World War II. And in addition to that, we have outlines. We're creating a number of outlines for lesson series. And this lesson series, like there's one uh, where this lesson is part of, and that's basically Winston Churchill's life as a, as a leader. Then there would be a series from his leadership during World War II, for instance. Uh, when we then reach out to potential partners, uh, also specific foundations that are focused on a specific historical subject, then we can satisfy what they are anyway trying to teach. So it's a new way for them to, a new tool for them as well. And it could be customized partnerships. So if anyone is listening to this who actually could be interested in us creating customized lessons, and they, you need to have a certain budget for it, but you could also potentially make money, then that's interesting for us. Okay, the last part of uh, to make sure that I address the last part of your question, is basically, like, so we developed what you call an MVP, and that's the first version of the first lesson. And we had it tried with different teachers and others. We got enough feedback that we now have managed to make some improvements and have a version two ready. You, I believe you have tried version one, uh, which we call a minimum viable product, uh, which we knew had a lot of flaws. Version two still, uh, has certainly has room for improvement, but it has already been improved a lot since the one you tried, I think. So that's where we're at. Yeah, no, it, it's proof of concept, though, isn't it? You have to start somewhere. And yeah. I can say after having 
done it myself the lesson that's aware that's that's available the lesson that's available now your first lesson your minimum viable product is on the lead up to the battle of britain and i just for some my listeners know i actually worked through this lesson and i was very impressed and that's the the nature of it and how it works is is what we're gonna talk about now okay so ollie can you tell me about the core concept of like digital interactive history lessons and how you expect them to be used by teachers so we know that the the first lesson is about the lead up to the battle of britain and i will be including the link for that in the show notes so that people can take it on but I guess what what made you choose the Battle of Britain as your first subject, and with those interactive history lessons, how how were they kind of used throughout that lesson? Yeah, so what we've done, and so first of all, part of our research made us conclude, and as as I mentioned before, we we concluded we want to go to international schools, we want to go to kind of high-end schools with a bit more flexible budgets and curriculum. And we found, and I mean, I'm sure you're aware of this, but Cambridge is a teaching method and and used as a curriculum. in, in, in It's more than 10,000 schools, actually, internationally. Yeah. Uh, and then IB, or International Baccalaureate, is also used by several thousand schools. And these are kind of the gold standard, I guess, of um, methods in, yeah, in in many schools, at least. And a lot of international schools are using them, but also there are certain other schools that are not necessarily international. Uh, so we decided that we need to try to satisfy the criteria so we can get certifications from both of those programs as early as we can. Like That's one of our first goals. So we knew that, and then when we started the process of actually coming up with a lesson concept, we hired, in addition to Matt as the, uh, the chief product officer, we hired an experienced writer. So we gave them a bit of freedom as to what they would like to choose. And they came up with this, they suggested the lead up to the Battle of Britain. Like it's not, it's not actually covering the Battle of Britain yet. It's just leading up to it. That's what's happening just to... That's that's how it happened. Uh, at the same time, I know that the reasoning is that this obviously was an extremely important historical event with some very powerful speeches from Vincent Churchill, for example, yeah. that are very memorable. And in addition, this is something that's definitely taught in the Cambridge schools, mm-hmm. uh, international schools. Many of them are including it somewhere in their curriculum. And in addition, of course, you have the war in Ukraine. So it's like when you have an existential threat that Britain was facing at that time, and Europe in a way, that's that's one reason. We don't want to have all our lessons being about, you know, great white men, uh, obviously. <laughs> so, but but I'm still I'm still pretty happy with that choice. And uh, it's led me to study a lot more about the situation around that time. And of course, your friend, Mark Painter, has... Just two days ago, he launched a lesson called the Battle. Sorry, episode called the Battle of Britain on his History of the Twentieth Century podcast, which oh, is yeah. kind of just uh, yeah interesting. Anyway, so I, I think that mostly covers, let's say, why we chose it, how how it works, uh, how it's built up. It's like we we there's a storytelling aspect, 
and the storytelling aspect um, will like you will be tested you have to pay attention to what's happening then there are some interactive map um, or some map interactions in some of the countries in regards to what was known as Battle of France where basically very quickly the Germans occupied Netherlands Belgium Luxembourg and then France so you get a little little information about each of these occupations and a little bit about Dunkirk because as I'm sure you know <laughs> and then you get a bit more uh, exposure you get to like Winston Churchill is just becoming prime minister on the same day that this first or that these attacks start. Along the way, we have interwoven assessments. So, oh, okay, you're following mostly the private sector and secretary of Winston Churchill, John Jock Colville. He is being interviewed by a reporter at one point, and that's a quiz, but it it's not designed like it, who wants to be a millionaire or something quiz yeah it's an interaction as a part of the story and that's how we try to do it with with all the assessments anyway i'm not going to explain everything that's happening it takes about 15 minutes to play through it but you get different kind of exposition there at some point you get some choices from different branches where different stuff happens based on which choices you make we have one assessment where you oh now you have to figure out how to open a lock so you can open uh, a safe and then you will find a speech inside but then you need to know the code and in order to remember the code you have to actually remember when Winston Churchill was inaugurated as prime minister you know yeah so it's I different like that stuff. touch that was a good touch yeah so it's different stuff like that later on you have to put together one of his three famous speeches you get also exposed to these three fam- famous speeches it's enough of a sample as if one, if one understands that premise, basically, or that that's where we're at, then one can see, oh, okay, now I can see some potential here. Um, hopefully, that's like where where we're going with it. So, uh, yeah. So, and, and the way that the story is created, like uh, uh, for this one, it's a very small team of a writer and a, like a story director coming up with both the, let's say, story exposition, the research, um, and also the, the idea of, of the features. Mm-hmm. And then it's being programmed and graphics are being made and we're trying it out and we tweak different stuff. And basically that's that's been the process. Yeah. So in the future, we expect to have at least one very good historian who can help to make sure we guide to guide the, the process or write it. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, we put, bring it to teachers and we'll bring it to students also and then have surveys and then we will we want as quickly as possible to find out what is not good enough why how can we fix it you know how can we improve it so that's going to be like a hopefully pretty fast interactive process between us and potential users uh, until we feel like okay now this is something that we can actually sell um, mm-hmm. at least it's getting to that point but even in that process, and we're going to get to that later, but we will then try to make sure that it gets used in a certain amount of schools. Like we need to get it quite a bit further before we start with that. And then we start to actually really get it used in schools, hopefully within the first semester, uh, the autumn semester. And in the meantime, when we get, when we start to feel like we're starting to nail it, we're going to write more lessons. So that's the plan uh, in general. 
Cool. No, that all sounds great. Um, you mentioned schools there, and I'm presuming by schools you mean actual schools, not colleges, as Americans tend to call school. Yeah. So, so that just brings me. It's a, the the targeted age group here. Um, so it would be primary, um, secondary schools or high schools, so to speak. Is that the idea? Yes. So first of all, the idea is. K through 12, that's kind of where we see ourselves within the next five years. Uh, and of course, there are some countries where they start teaching history very early. There are other countries where maybe they don't even start until secondary school. Uh, but we, we expect to make it for the first 12 years. Uh, but we're starting from what's stage three within, let's say, the UK UK system which Cambridge also is using so that means from uh, 11 to 14 years old that's kind of what the, it's designed for uh, but it can be used clearly also by older kids it could be used by adults you know it depends uh, yeah uh, but what I expect after a while we're going to have two different versions of each lesson that that's popular and one of them, teaches like it's the same story but one of them teaches learning outcomes that are more tailor-made to the curriculum expectations of stage three and another one at stage four because within cambridge and it's the same for uk curriculum uh, you can teach the same subjects in both stage three and four it's a matter of how much context and how nuanced you teach it like that's more advanced in stage four so so, but for, for the moment, we're focusing on stage three because we could also reach stage four simply because there are no other tools that will be a, possible to use in the same way. And certain teachers will just say, well, I don't care. It's like, it's not childish or anything, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, you, you mentioned as well, obviously, there's five-year plans. You have a vision for where this is going to go. So, can you share with us what other future lesson plans you might have? I'm assuming that you're not going to leave World War II just at the lead up to the Battle of Britain. You'll you'll presumably look through other aspects of it. But say World War II aside, are there any other parts of history you're really looking forward to covering in this format? I'm, I'm looking forward to covering a lot, as you can probably imagine, as I'm sure you would have uh, yourself. Uh, because I'm interested in so many different uh, historical topics. But uh, ultimately, I would say, like, so first of all, one of the things we're doing now when we're connecting with teachers and schools and trying to establish cooperation with them is to find out what lesson topics would be really helpful for you if we, if we would offer. And what could you be ready to use, pay money for, and such things. So that's going to be the main guide and most of the history podcasts i listen to they are uh, from let's say the industrial revolution or maybe reformation you know like but not so much older history than that we'll see i mean we, we can cover anything within reason either way we have of course have ideas ourselves when i'm when i talked to you last time i, I brought up a bunch of topics a little bit different focus now but still many of the same so for example we live most of us in the company, we live in Bali, in Indonesia, and we 
uh, we find because we're working now directly with international schools here in Bali, and there are already several schools that are using um, Cambridge or International Baccalaureate that have shown interest. Uh, so we would like to make sure both that we we, we focus on world history. That's the main main focus, but yeah. that we also offer if they say that they want it, if we, that we also offer some lessons that are kind of focus a bit on this part of the world, not only over in Europe or in the US. Or uh, one thing is the age of exp- exploration. I think that's an extremely important part of human history, in good and bad. But we did like we did a live presentation two years ago sorry two years two weeks ago <laughs> and there was one Dutch teacher who, who was there and she said that when she's teaching history and the age of exploration to her students she's using some famous cookies that all the kids know and then she tells the story of where the spices for these cookies are coming from and how ah. that happened how that started, for example. So that those are different. There's so many different ways one can teach history. So we will try to be very innovative in such regards. Anyway, so it's of exploration is of course a big topic, but but we have come up with actually six different lessons that we see, or it could even sometimes be several lessons, but let's say six different lesson ideas that we have fleshed out. Then another one is let's say Cold War with some because. At the moment, for the, from the beginning, we're not planning to make like 10 lessons on one subject. Yeah. Uh, so for the Battle of Britain, the idea would be to maybe have three. But, but again, it's a lot of this is based on what kind of market feedback we get and what people actually end up wanting to use and buy and such things. So, But either way, we have, we have to take the lead and we have to start by by creating lessons and then start to get feedback and then get closer and closer cooperation. But anyway, so for example, in the Cold War, last time we talked, we talked about the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we even, we made on the previous game version, we made a demo of the Cuban, Cuban Missile Crisis, short one, uh, quite different style in many ways. But what's just to, to show to the first teachers we talked to so that they got an idea of what we could already do with the with the skills that we had and with the, the game code that we had. Uh, Korean War, I know you've covered quite extensively. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For example, it's yeah. obviously also super important. I, but there are so many parts of the Cold War that could be interesting. But for example, the fall of the Berlin Wall, like because it's so tempting to make lessons about all kind of interesting things. So for example, yeah. like the candy, candy bomber in the... Berlin, uh, Berlin airdrop situation, you know. And such kind of, like, so we will, we, I think we will have many lessons that cover really big topics that are anyway covered by the schools, but this is a new way of doing it, which maybe makes more engage, creates more engagement, makes it easier to actually understand and remember and get good grades and for the teachers to have to do less work themselves because everything is automated. But anyway, so those are some that we've been thinking about uh, World War One. It's like I still I don't know how many times I listened to the your episodes about the July crisis, for example, <laughs> and the Paris Conference to the Treaty of Versailles. I, I just I think they're fascinating and super important. And I I knew very little about those before I listened to your episodes. I I could go on there are many many more, but different important revolutions and but also suppressed groups, for example. Transatlantic slavery, for example, mm-hmm. uh, the leading up to the like to the suffragette movement and the other connected movements, India's independence and the civil rights movement and yeah, religious history, <laughs> spread of Christianity, spread of Islam, the Reformation. I was also just want to throw the question back to you. Do you what what kind of um, lesson topics would you uh, being exciting to have? Let's say if you would be a teacher kids in k through 12 okay well uh, any idea <laughs> some bismarck would be nice <laughs> yeah i know no i i would love to do bismarck and i, I mean i that's something that i think would make a lot of sense because many people know is important but a good friend of mine last week i told him uh, that i listened to the, your bismarck episodes again it's like mm. Bismarck, the submarine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, you. I mean, this guy, he was a pivotal character, right? So, mm-hmm. no, that that sounds great. And clearly, you have a passion for history because you, the the different concepts and possibilities are just pouring out of you. So that's always <laughs> that's always great to hear. Uh, there, something to be said for your getting the right kind of target market and getting the right customers and understanding your audience and that kind of thing and it's the same thing you have to do when you're launching a podcast of any kind you have to really know what it is that you're trying to deliver and who would be interested so it's great to hear you have all of these things kind of nailed down but now that you have the lesson ready for uh, market feedback what do you expect to happen next and I think you mentioned uh, something about a pilot project at some point there. Yes, presenting. We're doing school presentations to teachers. And, and for example, the one we're doing uh, in an hour is going to be recorded also. So we're going to share that with schools because, of course, our timing is perfect. Um, it's just, we're ready just at the end of the last semester of almost all the target market schools. So so, so I'm just super happy that so many people uh, are have signed up for today and that were 32 people uh, signed up last time, two weeks ago. And I mean, none of them know us, right? So yeah. 
we have directories for international schools and Cambridge schools and all that stuff. So we're just going to keep on contacting a lot of them. Uh, but we also stop at one point and just say, okay, let's do some iterations here because we know what we're going to fix. So we're starting with that already. But let's not burn too many bridges also. Let's uh, wait a little bit with the rest. Now we have a pretty good uh, you know, test group and then we can get back to them with a the new version and uh, you, are we satisfying your requirements more now? You know, So yeah. things like that. But, but anyway, we're going to keep on doing that to thousands and thousands of schools uh, in the coming year. Uh, but one of the things we're doing with that, because that's just like this shotgun method on steroids, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things we're doing is to basically just find specific schools, specific teachers that just, I love this, or I want to be a part of making sure that you get it right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my school is willing to join, let's say, a pilot project. So we have a plan for a pilot project, and the main purpose of the pilot project of course, in addition to very clear proof of concept as long as we get it right. Uh, so we want to get reports at the end of a pilot project, hopefully better and better reports, so that this is something that can be used towards partners, investors, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we expect, let's say, our we always have assumptions in business and a lot of them are wrong, especially time-wise. Uh, but our target is to have... Cambridge and IB certification by the end of the next school year. So we run pilot projects throughout that year. We start also sales of lessons that we see have reached a level that's good enough. But so for these specific schools that we do a pilot project with, we would say, okay, you get five lessons for free. Uh, the first five lessons, uh, as long as you join this and as long as you're willing to work with us on it so we can interview the teacher, we can talk to some of the students, we can get reports in the end. Uh, and especially when it's here in Bali, for example, we could go to the schools also directly, not just online. Anyway, so there will be cooperation like that. And then when we have a full proof of concept, when we start to have real sales and it's clear that there's a big interest in it and that we are, we are very likely to get Cambridge and IB certification and then we are going to scale our team as well so we can make more lessons at a time those are kind of that's the main strategy i guess yeah no sounds great sounds brilliant and your your whole conception for this it seems to be really like well fleshed out i was just wondering as well like a lot of times if you ever see any kind of online learning aids or anything like that, you might go through them and then you reach the end and you don't really kind of get anything to show for your for your efforts. But I understand you're trying to get a curriculum certification for what, what you're doing. So could you tell me more about that? The certification process, like when you check on their website, what is the certification process? Big, very significant uh, to give you significant chances is like uh, have it used successfully in schools that are using Cambridge and IB as right. many as possible. Like, I mean, that's somehow pretty obvious, but <laughs> but that's like a kind of a, that's the biggest chance of success. So that's basically how we want to do that. And once we have reached that kind of certification, then of course our chances of getting more sales to schools that are using this, those two uh, are big and that's a lot of schools. And for example, uh, in the UK, when you have a Cambridge certification, it's a very big chance that you will get put on the list of uh, of history tools that 
schools can spend their budgets on. Mm-hmm. So like in Nashville, they have a, a list of a certain amount of products that are, yeah, okay, you can use a budget on this. Uh, so that we also can get into public schools uh, in certain countries, the, especially those who look at Cambridge as a, that, okay, if you qualify for Cambridge, we don't really need to think about it. Yeah. Let's, let's get these lessons, you know. So potentially that could make it grow quite a lot. So mm-hmm. that's that's that side of things. Uh, and one of the things we discovered in the whole process is, especially, let's say, if you check Cambridge stage four, is that they would like to include something called historical reasoning. Yeah. And that is still still not a, you know one concept that everyone agrees exactly what it is, but there mm-hmm. are some pretty good articles out there describing it and. So we want to, that's where we would actually like to invite historians because one of the things that you are doing in many of your episodes, you're doing historical reasoning like anything. Like sometimes when you start off a series and you start asking a bunch of really good questions mm-hmm. and then at the end of the series, you get back to those questions again, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I would, sorry to interrupt you there, but just for, for my listeners' sake, what I would consider to be historical reasoning is where you're basically putting yourself in the shoes of historical characters and that way you can kind of understand their decisions. So, for example, in the lesson you had, you were Churchill's private secretary and you get to see how and why decisions were made and why they were important. You're not just remembering events and figures and dates and that kind of thing it it gets you into the mind of key figures and it, it contextualizes events so it, it brings a bit of it brings a bit of heart to it as well because you can understand the struggles and the failures and diplomacy failing that kind of thing but you remember you remember these people are actual human beings who who made these choices and you get to kind of explore why that they these choices were made yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, but an important part of historical reasoning, at least many people say, is asking historical questions. So, of course, it's hard to make the students be able to ask whatever they want inside our game. Like we could yeah. always hook, hook it up to ChatGPT uh, 4 <laughs> and hope that it actually answers the questions correctly or, or yeah. uh, could, you know, whatever. But I think so that's what I meant with what I said before. That, that type of historical reasoning is something you do. And there are podcasters like, I mean, Dan Carlin, obviously, for example, you know, uh, also yeah. asking historical questions where because it puts you in a certain mindset. So we could try. That's one of one method we could definitely try, especially in cooperation with good historians to, to take a step back from history and not just, OK, learn what happened, but actually really think about it. That's the. I guess the essence of it in different ways. And then we have to then try to come up with very interesting ways of doing that. Well, like you, you mentioned teachers and you mentioned plans for the future and a, a team, etc. So do you think, do you think you'll be looking for several historians to have on your team? Um, and do you think there'd be a role for the likes of me in this kind of adventure? Uh, of course. I mean, I would be super excited to have you involved. And, and like, as I say, uh, mentioned before, having historians, good podcasters, for example, or hosts of YouTube channels or like good storytellers, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is meant to be happen 
through storytelling. So absolutely, we want to have that. Uh, how many? That depends on how many lessons we're working on and such kind of things. But I would be super happy and honored if you would be our first or one of our first, let's say, in-house historians, uh, whether it, yeah, how, how big part of your work it would be. Let's see. I, I know you're still super busy with a PhD and all that. Let's say what that role would mean. I would say one of them would be to potentially write lessons yourself mm-hmm. and work closely with a few very creative people who are uh, both, let's say, good at storytelling and at interactive features and kind of figuring out which what are the learning outcomes that we want. You know, that's the first step. Um, and then how, how can we, uh, you know, make it as interesting as possible to reach those learning outcomes and as satisfying as possible? And then how can we also bring in some historical reasoning and potentially some what-ifs of history? So let's say you be, be a writer and you would work with a few other people like that on when creating lessons. And then, and of course, do research and whatever. Then uh, for, let's say, other teams, that would maybe be a writer who's not historian anywhere near your level, then it could be super useful to have you help as a part of that team as well, but just play the role of the historian more than the writer. Um, yeah. Even though, of course, you have writing skills, obviously, from before, and uh, you would... Uh, hopefully develop really good skills for how to do uh, writing for this kind of platform because it's not the same as writing a fiction or nonfiction story uh, of course. as a novel or yeah no i th- this is a, a roundabout may- way of me saying that this is probably not the last time you'll be on this podcast to talk about all of this and it's Certainly not the last time we'll be talking to each other, but I understand you have a, a plan for a podcast of your own uh, in line with what we've been talking about. Uh, yeah, so the main idea would be to actually take the concept that that is in the lessons and basically make a, con- a podcast, which just it's it's a conversation instead of that you play through something. Uh, so as an example, let's say uh, maybe you would be a, a guest and we would interview you. You would know we would cover a topic that you are passionate and very interested in. For example, Bismarck, uh, you would be asked to uh, to teach us about that topic. Basically, you know, but one possibility would be that you then ask us to see if we actually got the learning outcomes right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He actually, uh, did you understand or did you, do you remember what I said there? I'm just like, oh, um, uh, that would be one uh, fun part, I think, because that's an important part of the, of the lessons, you know. Uh, but then also, w- once we know what really happened, or at least, I mean, limited how much one could explain on one topic, unless one wants to do Dan Carlin series. So then uh, we, could, we could engage in some historical reasoning on the topic and think what ifs and uh, uh, yeah, stuff like that. So, and then part of the idea of these podcast episodes, so we would always want to have like a historian with quite a, you know, quite a solid um, background. So a real expert on the topic. Yeah, so hopefully that would help us building an audience quite quickly as well. And we, we can, of course, boost it ourselves through our own marketing. 
so, but then in the end, we would then ask the audience, okay, so what do you think about this subject? Rank the, or rate, basically, how much you would like us to make a lesson from one to ten of this subject, you know. And then maybe we even work with that historian on uh, as the historian for that particular subject. Yeah. So that's the b- b- basic podcast concept. Cool. So even in the podcast, you seem to have thought up an, a, a different niche for yourself because, of course, history podcasts now, they're much more common than they used to be. So to, to stand out, you do have to have a, a good concept. So that sounds great. It's almost like a testing ground for your, your wider project, but it can still offer useful information and value to people who are just listening in. But say for those people, the lessons that you're producing Will they be available to just consumers? And do you have an easy way for any listeners to give you constructive feedback on that? Yeah, so first of all, what we've done with this MVP or the first lesson, we have integrated it to a learning management system used by many schools called Google Classroom. And that's something where teachers can assign different, different things from within the learning management system. Uh, like online courses or things like that. They can give assignments to the students and the students are inside that system, basically, registered. Yeah. Um, so we so now so it, it's possible for a teacher to then assign the lesson to the students and then the, there will be a report, automated, automated reporting, so the teacher can see the results of every student and each student can see their own result. Uh, so that's basically how we do it towards schools. Uh, but anyway, for consumers, they just don't need to hook up with a learning management system. They can just download it from our website and uh, purchase it. That's how it's going to be in the future. But this first one is going to be free so because we want to have as much feedback as possible so sure. that we can make sure that it becomes good enough that people are willing to purchase it. And the way that I imagine it for the future, it's a little, little bit like with Dan Carlin, uh, what he offers on his uh, website. So he offers single like he, he offers certain amount of episodes for free right so we mm-hmm. will probably have some episodes are free maybe the first one in the series for example as a teaser um and then the, there would be others let's say most of them are behind the paywall uh, but not so expensive yeah, and that's one thing i didn't mention because when we talked last year we thought we we're going to have entire courses for like a whole semester and now the conclusion is no you can purchase individual lessons and the teachers can do that for schools. They can choose whichever they want. Uh, and also certain packages of lessons. That's the idea for the future. So, uh, yeah, so, so that's basically how it is now. People can, there's just a link. People can try it. And people can also then download it uh, in the future. We, we're probably going to offer some more lessons for free quite early on, especially uh, maybe we don't leave them on for five years before we start charging for them, like it seems Dan Cardin is doing. <laughs> uh, but maybe we leave them on for a few months before we start charging on that for them, uh, so we get enough feedback and people can can you know the, the early adapt- adopters can get stuff for free that other people don't get. Of course, you know? yeah, yeah. Make, um, it makes sense. And one one more thing there is, but we're we haven't set it up yet. But maybe by the time this episode comes out, we will have it. Uh, let's see. But that's possibility to pre-purchase lessons. If people either want to support, you know, to, uh, you know, or they want 
they're, they're eager. They know they want to buy lessons in the future and they get the discount now. So, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll rather do that. And if that is a support, because the point is, is we're not going to make a lot of money on that. Uh, unless, of course, somebody gives us huge uh, amount of money or something. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the thing is that it's proof of concept. When somebody yeah. says, I want to buy what you're going to sell. So I'm ready to pay you $1 for it or something, you know. That's already because we're also working towards investors. And um, th- that's one of the most important things to get to a stage where you can scale is that, yeah, you have to see that there's actual serious interest out there and that's a way to to measure that yeah absolutely that's it's all about spreading the word really and and getting getting your your name out there and your your concept out there because i think it is it's very useful for educators i've been an educator in not just in the podcast but for lecturing and i've done i've done tutoring as well so it's and I've even given grinds in history, believe it or not. So I know that sometimes the working from the textbook, it's not exactly, it doesn't exactly kind of inspire people as much as this kind of format could. So that all sounds great. But how, el- how else could people, if they're interested in this, how else could people support? Like one, one thing that's super valuable for any kind of tech or game company that has something online is... Uh, can somebody just go through it? Like, so for, let's say, for example, you let's say you haven't played it before. And uh, by the way, I didn't highlight that, but it's playing much better on computers than on phones at, at the moment. We're trying okay. to optimize it more for phones and tablets, but it's developed in for web, and that just doesn't flow as well unless we, uh, or until we actually release it specifically on iOS and Android. Um, But we're going to make it better. But if somebody, let's say you would have not, like you would just record yourself playing it. You're like video recording uh, of yourself. You play it and then you give your immediate reactions along the way. You say, uh, oh, ah, this looks cool. You know, or like, oh, that was pretty clever. Or it's like, ah, really? That's pretty boring, actually. Or that, I mean, that's wrong. Or, you know, like absolutely honest feedback what comes to mind when you experience this you know it's like oh look here the graphics were pretty good but now where i come it looks the same guy looks completely different you know what the hell is that um Mm -hmm. you know so people who would just do that so the very first time one plays it uh yeah then one makes a recording and send it to us so we oh okay and and I just want to mention one thing. In this surveys we've done of people who have tried the first lesson, teachers, like there's some of these teachers, they're so eager for this product to be awesome that they're just like, and one of them, he's just like, this is terrible, you know? <laughs> it's possible to do it so much better. And, but then he comes up with this really constructive criticism. And in the end, he's just like, if you just make it as awesome as it can be, it will be the best tool I have for teaching history. You know, so that's, yeah, come on, bring it on, you know. Yeah. So don't be shy. And so another easier thing to do, because what I just said is asking quite a lot, uh, it's a survey for, because we have a teacher survey. I'm, uh, by the time this episode airs, you're going to have the possibility to include a consumer survey so that uh, if they would be willing to fill that in, we just receive the feedback. And it's just completely honest. 
the, you know, no point in glorifying anything we're doing because we know we're not good enough. I mean, we will become awesome um, and we need people's help to get, get it right. And one more thing. Um, if someone would be willing to introduce, like, let's say, if you're listening and you're a teacher or you know teachers or you're a school leader uh, or you're a passionate student who would like to, hey, check out what these guys are doing, you know, to your teacher uh, or to your friends or you want a, your parent and you think, hey, I want, let, let, I want to see what my uh, daughter thinks about this, for example, then that would be cool. And if you then, like I said, could be willing to fill in the survey or have that person help to fill in the survey, all that kind of stuff. Um, so sharing is caring. And there are some, let's say, higher-end things that people could do if they're really interested. And so, for example, let's say you're a school that's very interested in this, like you could potentially then join in on the pilot project. Or what one thing we're going to offer to certain schools is the possibility of a serious partnership. So I, I, I'd be very surprised if any of your listeners, but you never know where you find people. I found you never people know that. until you yep, ask. Exactly. You never know. No. So, uh, so for example, we we're, we're working with the royal family in Ubud, which is a town in Bali. Um, so the queen, she's building a history museum for Ubud and Bali. And her, her grandfather was actually a king who, he was the first to introduce Bali to the West okay. at the, at the wow. conference in Paris in 1931. Anyway, I'm, I'm a little, little sidetracking here. But, uh, but so the thing is that they're making a history museum and we, we have given them an offer for that we make lessons about the life of her grandfather and then they can pay for it, they can sell it, or we can sell it. Uh, but where, you know, it's funded by them, and it's the, they have a foundation, so a history foundation fund, right. would fund it. So let's say there's another history foundation who says, hey, let's say we're the Winston Churchill History Foundation, and uh, yeah, we will work with you until this, we want more lessons about Churchill, and uh, we make sure that this one gets awesome, and we're going to pay you money, but we can make money on it too, you know? Um, we have concept for a partnership <laughs> way there. Uh, you have to be creative as an entrepreneur. Um, and, yeah, I mean, last point is, again, I don't expect that from your listeners, but we're raising money from investors, both small and big. So if somebody uh, says, okay, I'd like to know more, what would it mean to be uh, to invest a little bit or a lot? They can, uh, of course, just let me know. I'll let you know. Yeah, sure. And I can very easily put people in touch with you if they want more information. But that is great. It's it's great to hear that in the last 16 months, this has morphed into history challenge and that it's so targeted towards people who want to learn and towards educators who maybe want to think outside the box or get these learning outcomes delivered in a way that's not just reading from the textbook or writing on the blackboard or whiteboard or what have you. It's uh, I, these are the kinds of creative things I love seeing. So it's it's a uh, it's been great to hear about it. And thanks so much for coming on and telling us about it. Yeah, that's very much likewise. And and who knows? Maybe you could um, along the way introduce us to some other brilliant historians, and uh, 
you could even work with some people you know a little bit from before. You never know what the future brings. Absolutely. Yeah. You never know. Well, uh, uh, on that note, uh, we're talking about the future <laughs> history, a history podcast. It's been so great to have you on and better let you go to your meeting so you can spread even more word about what you're doing here. Yes, uh, that's I'm going to do that. Um, so I, I just want to add one thing because I just thought about it. If any of the listeners happens to run a history podcast, large or small, and you'd like to have me on, then that's another thing that I'm obviously very ready and eager to do. So, but thank you very much for having me on, Zach. I, I really appreciate it. And um, you're such a such an interesting podcast to listen to. And it's like, I, I can't believe how much research and effort you put into this. And I know you're doing the PhD and all that. Uh, so I just... I look forward to you also getting finished with that and it's easier for you to really dig into the next history challenge. Oh, yes, absolutely. I can't wait to be finished it either. It feels like I've been an eternal student. But yeah, thank you so much, Ali, and looking forward to seeing where all this goes and I will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.